This is a special edition of the David Allen Show. David Allen Show. David's not here today. But I had a question that I'm confused by. Because it seems that as children, we were taught and are taught that you shouldn't choose friends. You shouldn't choose um, acquaintances based on how they look. You should choose them based on the content of their character, as Martin Luther King Jr. said. He had a dream, a dream that we would not be judged by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. I'm confused today, today being June 4, 2020. I'm confused because all I hear and all I see coming out of the left primarily is we must now only show and talk about and celebrate people of color, black people, African Americans. We must prefer them over everyone else. That seems to be contrary to what I was taught as a kid. Because I was never taught that someone who had different color skin than me was a lesser human. I was never taught to look at someone and, based on their skin color, determine their intelligence and their worth. Now, actions are different. I think we must and should judge people based on their actions. But for us to jump down the road of now we must celebrate only those who have dark skin in America and prefer maybe around the world. It seems so backward. If the goal is equality and the goal is not to uh, to segregate, then why is the push from the the left, shall we say, why is the push from them to be one of segregation? Now the only voices that need to be heard are the voices of those that have different colored skin. The only creators, the only creatives, the only people that have, uh, that, that can be viewed that can be seen on social media, the only people that can be designers, the only business owners, the only businesses that you should or are allowed to go patron are those of dark skin. And if you don't, you're a racist and you hate them and you want them to fail. It just seems so contrary to what this country from the way I was taught, was founded on, and the reasons it was created. Now, not by no means is this a a. Uh, we're not, I'm not removing or or trying to whitewash, shall we say, the history, because in our past, definitely, there was a mentality that if you had a different color of skin, then you were not human. And that is nonsense. But I barely made the 70s. Being born in 1979. 
I do not recall a moment throughout my life where I was taught or encouraged by my family to disparage or to think lesser of someone with darker skin than me. So I'm blown away today that that is what I'm being told to do. I'm being told by the other white people, let's say, that I am acquainted with, that it is now my responsibility to only celebrate and talk about and champion those of color, black people, African Americans, darker skin than me. Only. That's it. There is no other option because the, unless you do this, uh, you are a hater. So I'm confused. On a hot summer day in 1963, more than 200,000 demonstrators calling for civil rights joined Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for the March on Washington for jobs and freedom. The day's events included speeches from the likes of John Lewis, a civil rights activist who currently serves as a U.S. congressman. This article, written January 16, 2017, by Morgan Whitaker. Mrs. Medgar Evers, whose husband had been slain by a segregationist only two months prior, union leader Walter Ruther, and a performance by the great gospel singer Malia Jackson. But it was Dr. King's iconic I Have a Dream speech that immediately took its place as one of the greatest in history. But August 28 was not the first time King had uttered the most famous four words from his remarks that day. He had spoken about his dream during speeches in Birmingham and Detroit earlier that year. His initial drafts did not contain any reference to a dream at all, according to his closest advisors. Before the speech, King allegedly told an aide that he wanted the remarks to be a Gettysburg Address of sorts. The full text of the speech is written below. And we'll talk a little bit about it. I'm happy to join you, with you today, in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. The words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Five scores, five score years ago, a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. 100 years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. 100 years later, the Negro is still languishing in the corners of American society 
and finds himself an exile in his own land. So we have come here today to dramatize a shameful condition. In a sense, we have come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro back people a bad check. A check which has come back marked insufficient funds. But we refuse to believe that the Bank of Justice is bankrupt. We refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity of this nation. So we've come to cash this check. A check that will give us, upon demand, the riches of freedom and the security of justice. We have also come to this hallowed spot to remind America of the fierce urgency of now. This is no time to engage in the luxury of cooling off or to take the tranquilizing drug of gradualism. Now is the time to make real promises of democracy. Now is the time to rise from the dark and desolate valley of segregation to the sunlit path of racial justice. Now is the time to lift our nation from the quicksands of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood. Now is the time to make justice a reality for all of God's children. It would be fatal for the nation to overlook the urgency of the moment. This sweltering summer of the Negro's legitimate discontent will not pass until there is an invigorating autumn of freedom and equality. 1963 is not an end but a beginning. Those who hope that the Negro needed to blow off steam and will now be content will have a rude awakening if the nation returns to business as usual. There will be neither rest nor tranquility in America until the Negro is granted his citizenship rights. The whirlwinds of revolt will continue to shake the foundations of our nation until the bright day of justice emerges. But there is something that I must say to my people who stand on the warm threshold which leads into the palace of justice. In the process of gaining our rightful place, we must not be guilty of wrongful deeds. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. We must forever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. We must not allow our creative protests to degenerate into physical violence. Again and again we must rise to the majestic heights of meeting physical force with soul force. The marvelous new militancy which has engulfed the Negro community must not lead us to distrust of all white people. For many of our white brothers, as evidenced by their presence here today, have come to realize that their destiny is tied up with our destiny. They have come to realize that their freedom is inextricably bound to our freedom. We cannot walk alone. As we walk, we must make the pledge that we shall always march ahead. We cannot turn back. There are those who are asking the devotees of civil rights, uh, when will you be satisfied? We can never be satisfied as long as the Negro is the victim of the unspeakable horrors of police brutality. We can never be satisfied as long as our bodies, heavy with the fatigue of travel, 
cannot gain lodging in the motels of the highways and the hotels of the cities. We cannot be satisfied as long as the Negro basic, Negro's basic mobility is from a smaller ghetto to a larger one. We can never be satisfied as long as our children are stripped of their selfhood and robbed of their dignity by signs stating for whites only. We cannot be satisfied as long as the Negro in Mississippi cannot vote and a Negro in New York believes he has nothing for which to vote. No, no, we are not satisfied. And we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. I am not mindful. I am not unmindful that some of you have come here out of great trials and tribulations. Some of you have come fresh from narrow jail cells. Some of you have come from areas where your quest for freedom left you battered by the storms of persecution and staggered by the winds of police brutality. You have been the veterans of creative suffering, continue to work with the faith that unearned suffering is redemptive. Go back to Mississippi, go back to Alabama, go back to South Carolina, go back to Georgia, go back to Louisiana, go back to the slums and ghettos of our northern cities, knowing that somehow this situation can and will change or can and will be changed. Let us not wallow in the valley of despair. I say to you today, my friends, even so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day, on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racists, with its governor having its, his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right here in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with the little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the south with. This is the faith we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair, a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing we will be free one day. This will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with a new meaning, My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside let freedom ring. And if, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So, let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. 
Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and molehill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring. And when this happens, when we allow freedom to ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty. We are free at last. Those the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. from 1963. That's the sentiment that I grew up believing. That the color of a person's skin had no bearing on the content of their character. But that the content of their character was paramount. That's the thing that mattered, not the color of their skin. So I'm disheartened today in 2020 to be told that I must now only look at the color of someone's skin. And I'm not allowed to bypass that and look at the content of someone's character. And I'm not allowed to speak up and hold a view that I'm supposed to shut up. I'm supposed to be quiet. I'm the one because I don't have black skin. I am not allowed to stand together as an equal like I was taught, like I raise my children today, that we are no better or worse than our brother or sister beside us no matter the color of their skin. So I'll leave you with that today. But I just am disheartened by our, our society right now. I'm disheartened by what we're being told. Because it goes against everything I was raised to believe, that all men were created and are created equal. And that now I'm not supposed to believe that. Now I'm supposed to believe that if you are born and created with light skin, you inherently are evil and you inherently are bad, and you must be quiet. And that if you happen to be born with dark skin, then you must be exalted above all, rather than the idea that all men are equal, that we are created equally before God. This is The David Allen Show.